0: This podcast should not be considered as medical or financial advice. If you are looking for such advice, please contact a licensed professional. But do find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the Common Collective, as well as why the Common Collective resists new information. Fabiola, how are you?
1: Hey, Leo.
0: Well, here we are back with another episode of the Collective Resistance Podcast. And we have a special treat for our listeners today because we have a guest, which we don't have guests very often. Mm-hmm. So, uh,
1: so excited about this guest.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's uh, somebody that we've been following for over a decade now. Yeah. And uh, uh, consider him a friend and uh, really enjoy the content that he creates. And without further ado, that guest is a man by the name of Robert Phoenix, and uh, he is a respected astrologer, blogger. What I would call a philosopher, and uh, to to a certain extent, is just a student of the human condition, and he's got a couple of different programs that he broadcasts. Uh, one is called Fifteen Minutes of Flame, which which
1: is, I listen to whenever there's an episode, which is almost every day.
0: Yeah that that uh, Robert that's a um, that's a daily, and then uh, you've got your uh, Astro Live on the weekends. is is uh, Is that the schedule?
2: Yeah, so I do um, Fifteen Minutes of Flame Monday through. Thursday, 12 noon Central Standard Time. I'm sorry, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, Friday, I do uh, the Friday forecast, and I usually have a guest, and that's 12 noon Central Standard Time. And then on Sunday night at 7 p.m., I do 11th House Astrology, and that's, uh, uh, again, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. So six out of seven days.
1: You work hard.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of content. It's a lot
1: of content. We
0: are typically a weekly uh, production, <laughs> and that seems like it's next to impossible to uh, put together in that amount of time frame. So it's it's very impressive the amount of content that you uh, you generate.
1: Yeah, that's uh, your you are my main source of what's going on in the world because I don't trust many people, you know. So I'm like, what is going well, on today? I I need to listen to Robert.
2: Well, you, you, you two are working parents. I mean, you know, you've got you've got a whole other, like, kind of responsibility to humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I had – how many kids do you have? Three, four? Three. Three,
0: three, yeah.
2: If I had three kids, I'm not sure I'd be streaming every day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you got a cat, though. Those are high-level yeah, cats. Two well,
2: cats. you know, cats, kids, I think there's a little bit of a difference there.
1: They, they do. One of them is at the Astro Cat. What is his name?
2: Jasper. He the loves
1: astrologer. the camera. <laughs> He's a hog. He's just- so sweet. Oh my gosh. I love cats.
2: Uh, yeah.
0: Well, you know, Robert, what we wanted to kind of dive in a little bit around um, uh, was, was just obviously a lot of current events, what's going on. Um, I like to tell people, though, how we found you initially. You know, way back in the day, I was, uh, uh, I had seen a, uh, uh, a a preview for the movie prometheus which if people are unfamiliar with that film it was a prequel film that was made in the alien series and uh uh, i came across a i guess you could call it a review but you 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 really had uh you know a pretty hardcore astrological approach to the review and uh um it just blew me away, and I was like, "Wow! I had no, I had no you idea." You didn't
1: know anything about astrology. I that didn't point, know anything did about
0: astrology at the time, and uh, then I, I got you know in the habit of of going to your site and, and reading the posts, and uh, there was one particular post which we thought was apropos here this week that that uh, it had always stayed with me. And I don't know if you remember this one, but um, it was uh, it had to do with uh, the JFK assassination. And that, obviously, the anniversary was just yesterday. Um, right. And that particular post was, uh, you had called it, um, let's see here, The Death of JFK, Hacking the Timeline, Venus Retrograde with Mary Pin- Pinchot Meyer, and Finding Your Tribe. And that was nearly 10 years ago. It was June 2nd, 2012. hmm and uh, what we wanted to ask you was that, you know, you kind of ended that, uh, that post because and it really resonated with me because you were talking about this timeline hacking, you know, kind of between the JFK assassination and uh, what happened on 9-11 and whatnot. And you ended that with, with the statement, you know, watch for more and more chatter about timelines in the technosphere. There's a reason for it. Time as we know it is about to change, and we have one shot at jumping tracks back to a more congruent reality. Find your tribe, and I think we've been trying to find our tribe for years. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've worked with you on you know where should we go to do that. You know, we, we find ourselves up in the Pacific Northwest right now, uh, and enjoying that uh, yes. for, for the most part. And uh, but I wondered on that post that you made if you really recalled that and. Where do you think we are with the timeline track jumping, given what's going on? Did we do good on?
2: jumps or not really? <laughs> well, it's really interesting that you you bring that post up um, because, God, it's, it's really mind-blowing that I wrote that 10 years ago.
0: I, I yeah. thought it was mind-blowing, too. I was like, 10 years?
2: Because <laughs>
1: it just seemed like even he was reading to me last night, Leo, and I'm like... Really, he wrote that ten years ago because it really sounds like he just wrote it a few days ago.
2: It's a, it's unfortunate because my old website had a bunch of images associated with it, and this current website or iteration of it doesn't. They didn't make it over in the transfer, so there were a lot of um, images that were associated with that post that were kind of integral to that post. I mean, you can still get something out of it, but I it was it was one of those. Days where I crawled inside of the JFK thing, or it crawled inside of me. I don't. I and it, it, some of it had to do with an accumulation of other things that I had um, been kind of circling around, like the the Mary Pinchot Meyer piece. Uh, p- people who are not familiar with her,
0: um, I was she not.
2: Was, she so she was the wife of Cord Meyer, and Cord Meyer was the head of the CIA and I'd been involved with this um, crazy magazine in the Bay area uh, at the, uh, towards the end of the nineties and the editor of the magazine was really into psychedelics and was into the kind of the, the secret society of the kind of the network of psychedelia that would include Timothy Leary, whom she was friends with uh, Robert Anton Wilson, a number of these people that were, Sort of around um, the early days of the internet, because a lot of the early internet and computer people um, were very much into psychedelics. And uh, she essentially knew that Mary Meyer, Mary Pinshot Meyer, was getting um, high grade LSD from Timothy Leary, who at that time was working for the CIA, and worked for the CIA for a long time, actually, and so she was getting high-grade LSD from Timothy Leary, and her and these other wives of, like, congressmen and people that were working in the Beltway were, were hanging out, and they were they were dosing people, and she was JFK's lover, one of many that JFK had. So the the rumor was that she was dosing JFK, and that he was getting turned on, and that his um, his getting switched on with LSD. You have to remember this is nineteen sixties, really high grade, you know, pure stuff that was being cooked up by uh, the best uh, scientists that the CIA could afford, and it was changing his consciousness. So the change of consciousness was changing his uh, trajectory as a president. And when today, I, I don't know if you caught my show today, but I went through a bunch of executive orders that Kennedy um, passed. And it's really interesting to watch his executive orders because you can begin to see what he was doing with his presidency. And he was doing two things. Mainly. He was taking control of the unions with a bunch of executive orders. and The other thing he was doing was he was putting the squeeze on um, all these different congressmen and senators through their various committees. And he was running these investigations to see what kind of gifts, tax returns. So he was turning his administration into kind of like like a, a mini CIA or mini kind of Stasi inside of the Kennedy administration. It was very interesting to see him map this stuff out, take control of the unions, and then figure out who had dirt mm-hmm. um, inside of both the Congress and the Senate. But then that begins to change a little bit. And by the time we get into the late, late 1962, early 1963, and you can also see, you know, during that time, like Kennedy's doing things for the Vietnam War, like he's instating the Purple Heart and all these medals. Like, why is he doing this? Because you could tell that they were getting ready to ramp up with the Vietnam War. Like all this stuff that's taking place is really fascinating. But then something happens, something changes, and him he changes fundamentally, and he starts to do different things in 1963. Uh, of course, he's getting ready to run for re-election, uh, but there's a kind of a sea change in Kennedy's consciousness during this time. And this is where he goes to, um, uh, he has, he, I, think, I think the great German speeches, 62, but then he starts to talk about this vast conspiracy and that happens around 1963. And you can begin to see him making changes and having different kinds of alliances so, if you go back to Bill Cooper's book, "Behold a Pale Horse," there's a section in there on a guy by the name of Jonathan May, and Jonathan May talks about his relationship with uh, the British East Indy Trade, the British East India and Dutch East India tra- Trading Company, and he was connected to, I think, the British East India Trading Company, and these charters, and these charters were created a very long time ago, but these charters are kind of the foundation of how um, governments, treaties, business deals and corporations were this kind of central part of colonialism. Like, it's all based on these charters. And he had some of these charters that went all the way back to, like, his great-great-great-grandfather. They are passed down to him, which were very pivotal, very important, which meant that he could create something new, like a, like a, a new form of either governance or, um, a new charter that could even be used for the basis of a new economy. And he was partnering with the Hunt brothers and John Connolly and Kennedy was involved and it had to do with the state of Texas and basically creating a new dollar. Right. So the, so mm-hmm. Kennedy took the United States off the silver reserve. And um, you, you can see that the money changes, right? We go from silver dollars, like a dollar is a dollar, dollar, right? But the dollar is connected to the Federal Reserve. And, you know, it is a Federal Reserve note. So what Kennedy did is he decoupled silver from the, the Federal Reserve note. So people ask, well, why did he do that? You go back and you can look and like um, silver dollars had a little thin band of copper in them. They weren't completely 100% silver. They were like 90% silver. That's where it all starts. So why was he doing this? Well, there's this theory that by doing that, that the Hunt brothers were going to capture all of the available silver. And that through the state of Texas, which has its own, I think it's got its own permission to mint its own money, if I'm not mistaken. And that it was through Texas, and it was through the Hunt brothers, and through John Connolly, and through these charters that this guy Jonathan May had set up, that he was going to basically overthrow the Federal Reserve System. Oh, wow. And create a brand new currency that would be minted out of Texas, It would shift the balance of power. There were other things going on. Um, He was having uh, pangs of conscience with the Vietnam War, which is very different than what it looked like when he started these executive orders because you could tell he was getting ready for the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. So then that leads us into where he was taking the presidency. And if you look at the timeline that's based on a lot of the pieces of information that I just shared. It's very different than even what he had imagined his presidency based on when he enters into becoming president and what would the presidency have been had Kennedy stayed alive? And I do believe he's dead by the way. Mm -hmm. What would he, what would, how would our world have changed? It would have changed dramatically we would literally be living on a different timeline that, and, and there would be no Lyndon Johnson as president. As a result of that, don't get me wrong. Kennedy was involved in the war on poverty and civil rights. You can see that in his executive orders, but it would never have metastasized to what Johnson was putting together. Mm-hmm. And uh, the war on poverty, and the great society fundamentally changes, um, the the economic trajectory of the United States, and as a result of that, Nixon winds up creating um, the petrodollar coming out of out of Bretton Woods as a as a kind of a response to what was taking place in the United States, which was unprecedented. I mean, Johnson had really set up the United States as being um, a socialist. I mean, socialism and republic aren't you really used? together in the same term or phrase but that's about as close as we could get to it. So Kennedy was going to take us into a very different area and the, the the balance of power was radically was getting ready to radically get shifted and altered. And and as a result we would have been in a very different place. Now there's another piece that I think I might have talked about during uh in that post and it has to do with this really crazy channel channeled work um that i've read um sort of back in the 90s when a lot of these ideas were banging around in my head it's called shining the light and this one guy um wrote a, uh, uh, robert what's his name robert shapiro same name as oj's lawyer but it wasn't This guy's a very eccentric character, and he wrote all these channeled works during the 90s. And one of the things that he talked about that is relevant, I think, is this concept of time travel. And they they actually went back and, and removed a person who was supposed to be president after JFK. Um, and this person was going to be a Republican It was going to, be to take on JFK's work and bring more of the business world and, and the corporate structure into this model that JFK was laying out. But he was gone. Like they had removed him from this equation, which would again have been part of this different timeline. And mm-hmm. um, that also kind of factored into you know, where my thoughts were. So then I got into the JFK assassination and I began to look at its relationship in 9-11. Yeah.
1: You
3: know, so 11, what
2: 11, was 11,
1: that about?
2: <laughs> well, so eleven twenty two and 9-11 are part of the same timeline. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and if you, if you look at the players, and I don't want to get all arcane here, but... Uh, the astrological sign Gemini um, shows up very predominantly in this timeline, and so we look at Kennedy. He's a Gemini,
3: mm-hmm.
2: right? That's his sun sign. Um, if you look at the day that he was assassinated, he was he died on the thirty third. Uh, well, he died on the 22nd of November.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But if you add 11 and 22 together, you get 33,
3: mm-hmm.
2: which is, of course, significant in terms of Freemasonry.
3: Yeah.
2: And um, if you look at even Dallas, like, you know, where this event takes place, you know, you have Dealey Plaza. And uh, Dealey himself was um, a publisher of the Dallas Star, if I'm not mistaken. He's a Freemason, and he's instrumental in creating the Schofield Bible um, because Cyrus Schofield gets his start from Dealey and starts getting money from him to create this annotated version of the Bible. So Dealey is the very interesting player. It all happens on the 33rd degree parallel as well, which is um, – a line that will show up with the assassination of his brother, Robert F. Kennedy, which happens on the same line, and also Martin Luther King, which happens also on the same line. So, so are these, they're
1: taking out all the saviors of the world?
2: Well, they're taking out these 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 people that are, are kind of connected in a very interesting way and in all that 33rd degree parallel. So, you know, I began to kind of drop into this world that was... Um, very interesting to me, and I began to look at nine uh, eleven. Which again, when you look at nine eleven, you're dealing with this Gemini symbolism because of the twin towers. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been rumored that uh, George Bush was the was the the head of the of field operations of the CIA in Dallas during that time, and so George Bush also happens to be a Gemini. And um, we look at the collapse of the Twin Towers and, you know, who's the president during that time? Well, it's George W. Bush. Mm -hmm. So we're dealing with the two Georges, you know, again, these kind of mirror reflections are twins. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so my theory was that they had to collapse the Twin Towers in order to reconstruct the timeline. Because the timeline was essential, because we were moving away.
1: You mean the timeline they forked off?
2: Yes. Okay. Yeah, we, was it we collapsing?
1: Were,
2: <laughs> yeah, the timeline, in my estimation, was collapsing. Okay. And it had a lot to do with the internet, the um, open information, open access, mm-hmm. technology, and uh, and reestablishing. Uh, You know, because there's a lot of these ciphers that that take place along the way. Like one of the reasons why Bill Clinton got elected as president of the United States is that there is a picture of him as a young man with Kennedy. Oh, wow. So Clinton is president while this major uh, technological revolution is taking place at the end of the 90s. And I think things are kind of getting... A bit out of control now the twin towers were always meant to be taken down they were they were created to be taken down that really was a, that
1: was, why yeah. why you say that
2: well because they were mostly unoccupied oh really Th- oh, so, so
0: even they, though they, that- they looked so massive and huge it 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 wouldn't uh make as big an impact as if you know, they—they they, you had the impression that that it was a much grander. I mean, it was certainly a grand event, but I mean, it was much grander because you you estimated that there would be, you know, tens of thousands of people in there.
2: Right. When you look at the debris field in, um, you know, the the collapse of those two towers, you hardly find anything. I mean, some of it may be attributable to the well, fact that well, they found
1: the passports. You know,
2: well, I mean, good exactly. job. I, mean, I mean, but. We, there was not, there was not, they would find the odd piece of office equipment, um, a chair, a desk, Mm -hmm. but not a lot. And to your point, uh, yeah, the, the passport. So, you know, one can make a case that it was this very high, powerful, you know, combination of thermite energy directed weapon Mm -hmm. and everything gets pulverized. But one could also make a case that there just wasn't a lot there. And -hmm. I think that that, probably was the case. So they were going to take these things down at a, at a, at a certain point. And so 9-11, 2001, very specific day for yeah. a number of different reasons. But that anchors the timeline moving into the new century. Okay. So if you look at the players involved, they're all Geminis.
0: Well, and, and the players is, is something that I wanted to to ask you about, because if we look at now, you know, coming into this new – um, if you, what you want to call it, this new grift or whatever, you There's know, th- no th- event, that, what? <laughs> that COVID is, you know, we, we, we see, you know, you know, our background, you know, we, uh, experienced vaccine injury. We've been in that world for a long time with, uh, you know, our, our son and, and, uh, uh, you know, there are these, these, uh, individuals like, like RFK Jr. Um, and it's just interesting to me, you know, I was just watching a, a, um, Speech he gave, I think it was in Milan, Italy, just from earlier this month. I think on the thirteenth, and he was actually introed by Catherine Austin Fitz, who you know worked in the the original the Bush, Bush administration. administration. And and I like both of them. I mean, in fact, everything they're saying, you know, and, and we've talked about this briefly, you know, you and I, everything they're saying is what I want to hear. But you know, they come from these these families or these administrations that seem so embroiled in this. It's like is there a duality there that's happening? Because why are they able to exist in this this drama? Because they seem like they're really... Like the
1: good guys, you know, doing good service, alerting people, hey.
0: Because it seems like we see a lot lesser people. Uh, when, I, when I mean lesser, I mean just not as recognizable. Um, we see them, you know, either get taken out or fully censored all the mm-hmm. time, but we don't see that with, with people like them. I just wondered... You know, when we talk about the, the these personalities from from uh, back in these previous events to now, you know, h- how do you see that? Because it just seems it seems a little comfortable, or I should say, a little too close for comfort for me almost.
2: Well, I mean, if you look at the the, the Kennedy situation, you have um, two brothers and a son. I mean, all theoretically gone.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So they, you know, one could make a case that they were taken out. Yeah. mm mm-hmm. um, Right? I mean, an RFK, I, I haven't seen that video, but I've heard it's uh, quite good. Everybody keeps urging me to watch it. it
0: it's very uh, reminiscent of JFK, you know, of his uncle. And, and uh, you know, if it wasn't for that the speech impediment that he has, I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's a very, very fantastic speaker.
2: And, and he hits all the right notes. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I think he's suing you know, Facebook, isn't he? Yeah,
0: you know, he's got a lot going he on. He has yet, a lot. But, but, but you lost so, he's he so Getting a, back to your question. Yeah, getting, go ahead. getting
2: back to your question, though. So, like I talked about the Kennedys today, and the Kennedys were a crime family. Right. Mm-hmm. And the Bushes are a crime family.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, the Clintons are a crime family. Yeah. And the Trumps are a crime family. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. The Rockefellers; these are these are criminal syndicates, yeah. And and you can see, like, uh, like just look at the 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 arc of the narrative in The Godfather. It starts off with Marlon Brando as the head of the uh, the, the, the the crime family, um, and by the time you get to uh, uh, Al Pacino, Michael Michael wants to go mainstream. Mm-hmm. You know, he he doesn't want to be a part of. Uh, the crime family any longer, right? I mean, and this is what happens. They all start off as crime families, and then they migrate into politics and business. They all kind of, you know, go straight, right? This is what happens two, three generations down the line. But they, they still come out of these crime families, and some of them have more connections to the crime family life than others. Like, I don't think the Kennedys are a crime family anymore, but that's where they come from. That's where they made their money, Mm -hmm. old man kennedy was friends with the bronfmans and um uh, what's his name uh aristotle Anassis and he brought rum and um canadian whiskey from canada canadian whiskey from canada and rum from south america for his speakeasies and when they collapsed the banks during the great depression he had the hotline and he knew to pull his money out before um, the imminent collapse of the stock market. So the, that's where the Kennedys come from.
3: Mm-hmm. But the
2: Kennedys made, uh, going back to John JFK, he made an egregious error in that he turned on the people that he, his old man uh, promised that he wouldn't turn on, and that was the Italian mafia and the Jewish mafia, and he turned on both of them, mm-hmm. and and that was another part of his undoing, right? So, so- is ha-
1: is that who take? Um, I have. Watched something on guy in the past saying that it was the mafia that took t- took him down <laughs> and well, i always it thought- was
2: it was it wasn't just the mafia there were a number of groups involved it was a very collaborative effort
3: mm-hmm. okay it, it, it
2: would have to be yeah israel was involved the mob was involved um the cia was involved there were other vested interests uh, lyndon johnson was involved he hated him
3: yeah, okay. he hated
2: kennedy so, so I guess the answer to your question is why do some of these people not get taken out? Well, the Kennedys got taken out because they, they cross people over They, you know, they're, but they're, they're crime families and that's why they don't get taken out.
3: Okay. Um,
2: and they all have dirt on each other and they all intermarry um, for the most part. And that's what happens. Uh, I hope I answered
0: your question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's just one of those things. We we had a um, a friend uh, ask us, you know, like how do you know what where the truth lies? Meaning, how do you know what you want to kind of talk about and adopt in your story? What
1: is real and what is synthetic, and what is the actual timeline, or are they all possible? <laughs> well, you know, and I think
0: what? Of, I think I like the Hegelian dialectic. And you know, you 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 have an idea, right, and then you're 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 going through and you're constantly adding more and 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 kind of reforming i mean there's nothing wrong with that there's infinite information you know and and uh i i tried to explain to her as a very convoluted uh, description but but uh you know i look where the money is i look where the conflicts of interest exist and then you know if there are these things that even though some of the premises may seem okay, but there are these things like you can't explain mm-hmm. they are uh, you know, they ruin the whole story. And, and, you know, like we talk about the vaccine manufacturers and all the, 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 the shenanigans they pull, pull, even though, you know, you want to believe that scientists are doing good work and all that. There's this other stuff that it just can't exist. If this is all, on the up and up and so I, how do you kind of determine from all the content that you consume and then you know kind of uh, uh adapt into your um streams and whatnot you know what truth is and how you can trust someone or do you not is it not necessary to be that that um that sure on things as you're kind of just walking people through ideas
2: so you know i i've been doing this a long time um I'm, you know, I wouldn't call myself an expert. There's a lot of really, really bright, bright, bright people that you know do very similar things. But I've learned a few things along the way. And the first thing uh, that you learn along the way is to believe no one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and trust nothing. So that's really important, and that and that that has to do with the world like our empirical relationship with the world our relationship with god or the most high or the the the, this um generative force um in our lives that's a different story you 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 have to build a bridge of trust towards that
3: Mm -hmm.
2: so that you can continue to live in this world and um find meaning and merit in community and camaraderie and companionship like that's those are really it's a really important thing um
1: but when you trust no one how do you even build the community (laughs) what's that when you trust no one and you believe no one how do you but
2: that's a start though i mean you have to start from you have to start from that premise
1: okay clean slate
2: And, and and then you you begin to look at things with a certain level of scrutiny and a lot of times what we want to do is we, we, we have a view of the world or view of the universe and a paradigm, and we there are events, and we try to fit those events um, into our paradigm so that it makes sense and it reverberates back to us a version of reality that we can wrap our heads around and can be meaningful and or even hopeful, right? Mm-hmm. So that happens a lot.
1: So how do and you do that with the pandemic? Like, how do you... Reconcile well, how how do you build this this
2: why don't we why don't we start with like the Kyle Rittenhouse thing? Okay. Yeah, sure. Let's start there and try to understand you have to pay attention though. Okay. But right? you you have not to be, but you have to pay attention to events and you have to pay attention to certain moments in time and I've got a pretty good nose for things. So when the whole Ky i s I'll tell you what it was going on for me. I was actually up watching that event happen
0: oh you mean when he was out on the street live
2: i was watching that in real time oh wow so i was i was very interested in what was happening in kenosha so i got i got connected to these live streams that were taking place so i was actually seeing that happen and it was and i was trying to make sense of this and I'm like, holy shit, you know, something big just went down in Kenosha. And I, I, I didn't quite fully understand it at the time because it was very chaotic. And you had all these people running around doing these live streams. And so as the as the, the, the days, you know, kind of progressed a bit, the, 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 the next day and the following day, you know, I was watching Tucker Carlson and... Turns out that Tucker Carlson's producer for BuzzFeed, which is his website, was there in Kenosha, and oh, yeah. he had been following Kyle Rittenhouse around all day.
0: Yeah, because there was all these pictures of him, you know, scrubbing uh, graffiti and then being yeah, being yeah, a yeah, medic yeah, yeah. and all this stuff.
2: Yeah, so they're building they're building a a a, a character arc for kyle rittenhausen this is what they do in movies they build a character arc and a narrative so you begin at the beginning of a movie you get to see somebody and over the course of the movie you watch them right you watch them they do this they do that they do this they do that you relate to them where you hate them if they're a hero you relate to them if they're a villain you hate them but they're establishing a narrative and a character arc And that's what they were doing all day during that day with Kyle frickin' Rittenhouse. What do you get? Well, he cares about the community. He's cleaning the walls. He's taking the graffiti down. He's there as a medic. I mean, all that stuff is happening, right? But then it gets really weird because this guy who's the producer of BuzzFeed is right there. He's like right there when Joseph Rosenbaum... Uh, is chasing Kyle Rittenhouse and gets shot, and he's the guy that's applying compression to Joseph Rosenbaum. (laughs) Like, really?
0: Yeah. A little convenient.
2: Just happens to be there, and if you look at the staging of the event, you can clear, and by the way, there's plenty of, of footage with Joseph Rosenbaum. Like, he was starting fires and dumpsters, and You know, he was being an asshole and like, oh, well, there's another character Mm -hmm. park is being built. You got a bad guy. You got a good guy. And it's all there. Mm -hmm. And then you see Rosenbaum throw something at him in front of the convenience store or whatever. You can see them. It's all night vision. He's running down and looks like maybe he, you know, um, throws like a, I don't know, uh, like a flare or firework or whatever. Kyle kyle thinks he's um in peril and then they disappear behind these two cars
0: yeah they're out of view yeah
2: and that's where you hear two bags
0: yeah it's now, key because yeah, they're in the wide open right. you know parking lot and nothing happens and as soon as they get out of view and by the way exactly. they were like they were like eight camera angles they were flipping through them at the what and not one of them really has what's going on in the cars until after the fact when other people walk up on it after the shots have already happened. Oh,
2: wow. Exactly. Exactly. So you hear two shots. um, Tucker Carlson's producer just happens to be there. The other thing is you don't really see a lot of flashbang. That's the other thing. Like, if you have two guns and they're being fired, you will see a flashbang. You do... You see a flashbang briefly, but it's not coming from that area. If you go back and watch the videotape, you'll see a tiny flashbang come from outside the cyclone fence on the other side. Yeah, I think now, I had
0: seen that that clip.
2: Yeah, that's almost like the grassy knoll thing, right? <laughs> now, now I don't know if uh, if Joseph Rosenbaum actually dies. I don't know that for a fact. Right. They say he does. Mm-hmm. But then you see Kyle Rittenhouse emerge, and he's out running to try to find a medic. You know, uh, he's calling the cops, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's been shot, he's been shot. And then the that's what I saw on uh, the live stream, him being chased down. I was like, I watched it. I saw it live. It was like crazy. But it was still... You couldn't see the whole thing because it was different cameras capturing it, and and then you have uh, the guy who drop kicks him. Um, you have Huber who hits him
0: with the skateboard, with like
2: skateboard, or... and then you have Rosa Kreutz who supposedly has a handgun, mm-hmm. which nobody really talks about. Right? There's a hand. He's got a handgun. So he um, winds up. If you, again, you know, I don't know what your um, experience with, with firearms is.
0: Not, not too deep. Yeah. You know, Fire a shotgun at, at some clay uh, pigeons, <laughs> well, that's but, about but it.
2: I'm, but, but I'm telling you, to be able to recover, recoil, fire, especially with accuracy, it's no easy feat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, if he did have a shotgun, which by the way would have been illegal... He could have got. He could have just fired a gun and could have cut him in half, or you know, really stopped him. But we're talking about an AR, and those are pretty well placed shots. You know, fire under pressure. Not everybody can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: I thought the same thing. I was like, and that people commented on that. They're like, you know, this teenage kid. I mean, he being beaten and the way he reacted. I mean, he's better than most. you know, maybe even soldiers in combat would be <laughs> under similar circumstances, and he's probably never right. had a situation like that come up in his life.
2: Right. So there. So now, you're, you know, where does my head go with this? Because I'm asking these questions all along.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. So first of all, did he actually kill anybody?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Because if you're not killing anybody, you really don't have to be all that accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you are killing somebody and you are blowing Gabe Rosenkreutz's bicep off, then you have to be really good at what you do. And if that's the case, was that really Kyle Rittenhouse? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because remember, he ducks behind the two cars. Mm
3: -hmm. And
2: are we looking at somebody else? Are we looking at somebody who is military trained? And it could actually do those things.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, today on my show, I played a video where the technology around masks is tremendous.
1: You mean masks? Tre- you know, kind
0: of like, no, no, he's talking <laughs> okay. about like the Mission Impossible mask, oh, you know, yeah, to make yeah. you look like other people. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. They would have, they would have no problem um, sizing up and creating another mask at Kyle Rittenhouse. Mm-hmm. No problem at all. Okay. Somebody that would look like him and emerge from that point in time with the two cars.
1: Mm-hmm. So and how? And then,
2: if they needed to apply very high tactical skills and standards.
1: Mm-hmm. So how if does that, that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. How does that play then into? Um, so you are saying that that whole reality in quotes was basically probably constructed yes the story was constructed and then you just it was packaged and then you just buy into it and it just distracts you and you talk about it
0: well we're, we're in a situation now where you know we had that that guy as a result i mean supposedly of multiple factors but as a result of the verdict as well you know he ran the car through the parade yeah. of people and then you also have um the situation where you know you have this unrest fomenting all at the same time while one of the biggest trials is getting underway you know around Ghislaine Maxwell and there's no eyes on that at all because everybody's well, the, talking yes
2: yeah the other thing is they you know they're in the process of passing Biden's build back better right um infrastructure bill which will essentially root ru- it'll essentially be the end of this country yeah and nobody's nobody's talking about that right you know we and, and uh, a friend of mine russ Winter, who has a website called winterwatch.net um russ has been on my friday show a couple times and um, russ actually happens to be the son of tex winner who's the famous basketball coach uh, who coached uh, the triangle offense with michael jordan and that. but he he doesn't really like to be known for that but that's that's uh russ's dad tex winner so russ is an expatriate. He moved to, um, um what is it? Uh, Czechoslovakia. Uh, he lives in Prague. He moved there back in the, uh, mid two thousands. And he's, he was detoxifying from American culture. So he built this website called winterwatch.net. And Russ is really great at applying like, you know, these critical, he's, he's almost like a, a forensic investigator. And he did, uh, he just put out a, a post on Winter Watch, looking at the uh, Waukesha um, uh, thing where the car goes through the parade, and even that looks sketchy. Mm-hmm. Like even that is really bizarre because there there's this one angle where somebody has a cell phone and is and is recording it, and then all of a sudden. You hear, oh, my God, oh, my God, and then you don't see it anymore. Like the cell phone goes to the ground. And there are a number of real strange questions like, well, why did this guy take this car, do this thing, and then park the car at his house and back into his driveway with the front end of the car, you know, supposedly bashed in from all these people, mm-hmm. stick it out. Like, why would he do that? Yeah. It's it's very reminiscent of what happened with Lee Harvey Oswald after Kennedy.
3: Okay. Like,
2: it was really easy to find him and track him.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, why, why would this guy do that? Why would this guy create a rap video where he basically is telling how much he hates white people mm-hmm. and have the car in the background as a part of the video? <laughs> yeah, <you know? laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, it's and it's all staged, uh-huh. and, and we're living in this staged reality. And this goes all the way back to the Gemini stuff.
3: Mm-hmm. With
2: like, if you look at the Twin Towers, they they demolish the Twin Towers. They create one tower, you know, and it's like one tower to to rule over them all. Mm-hmm. It, it's the solidification of power, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to we're going to end this world of duality. But we're going to control what takes place within this realm of duality. We will be the masters of duality.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And if you look at the, what is it called, the World Freedom Tower,
3: mm-hmm.
2: it looks like a giant hypodermic needle.
0: Oh, no, I didn't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, it is- one thing I wanted to make sure that, because I know we have limited time with you, and, and I wanted to, to, to make sure we got some uh, commentary for you on you know, we've been consuming a lot around uh you know the metaverse cryptocurrency nfts blockchain uh, i i i've heard you speak a little bit about it on on uh, one of your programs recently and and um i can't remember though um where you mentioned maybe you've gotten your content we've been we've been consuming this allison mcdowell i don't know if you know who she is um but uh uh she's
1: she's in austin all the time it looks like
0: but she she's really dove in as a as a researcher and uh um you know putting all these things together as far as the the technologies that are being developed the studies that are being done the the where where the funding's coming from all this stuff and it's really um just mind-blowing and i noticed then on on one of your broadcasts that you were talking about you know kind of the end game with crypto and all that and the metaverse and and this all seems like this, is, this has changed tracks to this pretty quickly, and I'm wondering if there was something that you saw, because, I mean, not, not that you haven't mentioned these things kind of one-off in the past, but, but um, you know, the way you had put it together there the other day, it seemed very reminiscent of kind of, of her ascertainment of the situation, and I, I, I wondered when some of that stuff was starting to click for you.
2: So, first of all, um, I think Alison McDowell is a a brilliant researcher, Um, but I'm not a fan of hers. Oh, really? Oh,
1: no. do tell. I
2: don't don't mind saying
0: that. Yeah, no, do tell, though.
2: It has nothing to do with her research, which I think is— Did you do her chart? She hits all the the right notes. uh, So here's here's where my issue with Alison McDowell is. She put a post up on her website— um, cause somebody was telling me about her and you got to check her out. You got to check her out. Somebody sent me a post that she did. And it was about, um, how she was invited to an event to speak at in Philadelphia. Uh, Mark Passio was there. David Icke was there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think maybe do you like Ross, him? B-
1: David Ike?
2: maybe Ross ben was there and
1: do you like uh, David Icke?
2: Do I like David? I can't yeah. like David. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, and she made a big deal about not accepting. Um. Speaking at this event. Oh. And the, re- the and her 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 rationale was that um, she didn't want to identify with nationalism, and that uh, the world uh, where we are, it's a it's a much bigger issue than just being an American or identifying with patriotism. And I, I, I agree with her. I think it is. But then she went on to talk about um, some of the people that, you know, inspired her, like uh, the farmers in India who were fighting back. Well, that's great. I don't mm-hmm. have a problem with that. And then she got into a number of these black women who were her teachers in the Philadelphia. I think she's from Philadelphia. Yeah. Philly, yeah. yeah. And she was, ta- you know, she was talking about them, and then she was t- talking about um, this uh, uh, movement called MOVE, which was uh, a radical movement, a black separatist movement in Philadelphia, and everybody in the, the uh, MOVE movement all had the same last name of Africa, right? It was it was Africa. And, mm-hmm. and I don't have a problem with Separatist movements, by the way, if you if you're black and you want to have your own black community, I don't care.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. If you're uh, if, you know, if you're Asian, you know, you want to have your own community. And sometimes it just happens by income and zip code. Like if you go to an area that's really, really wealthy, like, say, um, uh, parts of New Jersey, you'll, you'll find like 95% of the people there is, is uh, identifying as Jewish.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. So they're not setting out to be a separatist community, but by their, by their income and by their, um, usually their professions, they'll, they'll just, you know, sort of migrate in that way. So, but I don't have a problem with that either. Right. Um, but my problem was that she was kind of championing this alternative perspective. And Move was definitely a radical group. Like, they were intent on, you know, taking down the system. And again, you know, there are parts of the system that aren't necessarily great. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, there, there are parts of the system that need to be taken down.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but, but it's like, okay, right. So, how are you going to get um, Joe Sixpack or somebody? Who is on the Trump train or who is, um, you know, leading into the Constitution or leading into being a patriot. Like, how are you going to get them on your program? Mm
1: -hmm. It doesn't seem like she really has a program, though. No,
2: she does. But no, she does. She does. She does. But how are you going to like you need an organizing principle like you need an organizing principle to get people to think about things and to kind of move in a different direction. And and, and I'm like, you're really what I thought she was doing was virtue signaling. Like Um, it was, it was a big fucking virtue signal. Well, I'm not going to participate in their world because, you know, I see this as being a much bigger issue. uh And these are the people that I'm looking towards and leaning into as being, um, uh, you know, inspirational. Mm-hmm. And she and she didn't even print my comment on her on her on her website, and mm-hmm. I thought that that was tally.
0: Yeah, that is mm-hmm. interesting.
2: Like you know, and then I got into it with her on Twitter.
0: Oh, you did?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I did.
1: So how did that go?
2: <laughs> well, it didn't go well because I was responding to something that somebody else had put out that it was a retweet that she had done mm-hmm. and I responded to it and they didn't like my response. And then I went a couple layers deeper and I brought this other stuff up mm-hmm. that I talked about. Well, and then, and then she said, you know, well, well, you, you know, why, why are you, why are you commenting on this? Like, well, I'm commenting on it because you, your name was part of this retweet.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so that's why I'm commenting on it. And you got sucked into the Twitter vortex. And her response was like typical, kind of you know pro- progressive, shut down the conversation. Okay. We don't want
0: anybody uncomfortable. Oh. No,
2: it's like you, you just do you, <laughs> and I'll do be. Mm-hmm. How many times have you heard that? Yeah. 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 So, well, I
1: say that now because I'm like, if you, well, I, stuff, you, honestly, you want to do all the stuff, you do you, I do me. <laughs>
2: it's, like, it's like, why couldn't she have taken her p- program, her platform, and brought it into, like, the world of Mark Passio and David Icke and Ross Bennett and these other people mm-hmm. and built a bridge and say, this is what I'm working on and this is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, we need to make this a bigger... A bigger venue we can't just we can't just come at this nationalism is good patriotism is good but but there's a whole other world out there we need to start making bridges to these other people mm-hmm. like she could have done that but she didn't she turned her piece into a big virtue signal which really says to me that she's kind of a left and then you could be a lefty i don't care mm-hmm. right but mm-hmm. but it was like she it, it became a closed loop
0: yeah, no, that is, that is uh, interesting. And I haven't heard her speak too much um, outside of that, you know, the kind of very focused research around blockchain and whatnot, which like is really, universe. you know, it, that's really blown me away. I just had Fabi watch the, um, you know, the, the trailer for Ready Player One, you know, which came out a few years back. And I'm like, man, doesn't that just feel different? Now, given everything that's happening and, mm-hmm. you know, the way that... that so
1: close to home.
0: That, that, you know, Allison and some of these other people like Catherine Austin Fitz are explaining, you know, this kind of overlay of technology. And and uh, um, so, so on. you know, outside of Allison as a personality, you know, those ideas, you know, like I said, that I heard you kind of speak about on your program, um, you know, I mean, like we look at things very uh pragmatically and and you know we're heavily invested in crypto but we understand that you know a technology can be used uh you know w- w- with ill purpose and it can also be used to empower it's mm-hmm. all really you know based on the project and the the uh intent and and i think that um what she, well, I don't. Know, I think Catherine Austin Fitz is, is kind of mentioning in in some of her content that, you know, just by participating in the, you're
1: building your prison, you're
0: building your prison just by by because what you're doing is is you're you're familiarizing it and um, it's easy to market it, which I think that's what we're seeing with all of this stuff, right? Is it, well, it, well, if that's
2: if that's true for Katherine Austin Fitz, then she should stop doing YouTube videos, stop putting out newsletters, yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, stop.
2: Stop uh, using Twitter. Yeah. Stop having a website because it's all part of the same algorithm. That's true. true.
3: Very That's true. true. But,
2: like so, Ka- Catherine Austin Fitz should probably try to think about going back and being a hunter gatherer. But I can guarantee you she wouldn't last. <laughs> she wouldn't last two weeks in that world. And neither would Alison McDowell, by the
0: way Yeah. No, yeah. I would agree with that.
2: So, what are their what are their solutions?
0: Well, you know, Catherine Austin Fitz is more trying to... uh, Well,
1: Allison has no solution.
0: Yeah, she has no solution. She just
1: says, this is just... Yeah, this is just so you are aware that these are, the crypto part is a use case, but, you know, everything that goes with it is kind of like, you know, the pandemic, the the vaccine passports that you're supposed to be vaccinated so nobody is getting sick, you know, so let's do this so that nobody's sick. <laughs> so that's the advantage, you know, they package it up that way, and then... Well,
0: and, and Fitz is, is... It turns
1: into this horrible...
0: She's talking about, you know, training smaller communities to be more um
1: uh independent
0: yeah more independent right they can develop i mean i mean again you you and i know the challenges of you know trying to develop your own currency your own investment pools you know with just the people locally Mm -hmm. that that live there so that when you invest you are tangible you are bettering your own community as opposed to financing the the companies that are coming in and taking away small business you know uh in in she thinks that you when you do that you actually raise the intellectual capital within the the individuals that live in those communities and uh uh you know you create a more marketable society for that immediate area that you're in so you know you're farming locally you're buying locally it's kind of the buy you, you know buy american mentality literally in a microcosm type of way and she says that you know they've done the modeling on that and the 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 growth potential is 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 really off the charts but obviously it's a different paradigm than anyone is used to mm-hmm. and and uh, nobody
1: trusts you know as we go back to trust nobody you don't trust really doing business with your family or your friends so you know, because it gets sticky and complicated with the relationship. Yeah, because she,
0: she, she used the example specifically of she had three friends, you know, that lived in the same community. And one was, was uh, uh, you know, f- financing their business with a credit card. And then another one was invested in the bank that happened to be the owner of the you – know, they, they, they uh-huh. were the bank that owned the credit card the other guy was using. And so, you know, the – the uh, uh, the money that was being changing hands that was you know being kept by the financial institutions was, you know, the arbitrage on it was crazy. You know, they could have kept that all in house and done it you know, for just a matter of, of single digit interest where you know they're paying you know fifteen, twenty plus percent through all of these financial institutions. And, and she says nobody's uh, um, you know, they're just not they're just not looking locally. And part of the reason I think is because people want that anonymity. Right, they want that ability to skate out of contracts and things of that nature, but that's where you know she's saying is the communities need to be kind of re-educated. Mm-hmm. So she she ha- she does have some solutions which are interesting. Again, whether they're 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 feasible or not uh, remains to be seen. Allison certainly. Allison, I
1: think he should, and and this is where we feel a little bit in conflict. Here we are investing in crypto because we know the fiat currency is being devalued by the second. Uh, You know, how do you,
2: where do you stand there? Well, so, I mean, we live in, we we are born into a world of compromise. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And let's go back and just look at every time you started up your vehicle um, in order to um, take your kids to a soccer practice or um, to get treatment or therapy Well, every time you do that, you are supporting the petroleum company, right? Right, and and who's at the head of the petroleum companies? Well, it's the same people that are ultimately, you know, building out, uh, you know, the carbon, you know, the anti-carbon universe. Mm -hmm. So we've been involved in this process for a very long period of time. Yeah. And what's happening now is that it's becoming more definable, but it's not like we haven't been contributing to the beast system Mm
3: -hmm. because we all have been. Yeah.
2: And now what's happening is that it's becoming kind of, you know, both simultaneously more real and unreal. And that's the, the real paradox of like the metaverse and NFTs and digital assets and digital contracts. It becomes so abstract
1: Mm -hmm.
2: that the, There's the, nobody you
1: know, to talk to anymore, too. Well, right? the, event,
2: the event horizon <laughs> yeah. of, of, of um, the so-called reality is just obliterated. That doesn't even exist anymore. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're seeing it all come into focus. We're seeing it all happen before our very eyes. So the, the tangible realization of it is there. The intangible application of it is also there. Mm-hmm. And I don't I for you know and I struggled with it a little bit. Oh man, you know. And I would tell this to my my friends who were into crypto early, like you know, you're just building a fucking beast.
0: Right. I mean yeah. this
2: this is really what you're doing. I mean, let's be real about it. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, unless you're trading uh, you know, real goods for real goods or real services for real services or real services for real goods, you're building it anyway with the fiat money system. It, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, by shades or degrees. because nothing is really pure. That said, you know, I have played around with crypto a little bit and um, I've gotten to this point now where, uh, you, uh, you know, I've been listening to uh, David Dubine a little bit and David's got a fair, I don't always agree with everything David says. But David's got, a, I think, a fairly sane and rational take on the crypto world, and that let's say we have this runaway inflation, and all of a sudden the dollar is worth nothing. Yeah. But you're you're holding on to, um, let's say right now you're, you're holding on to three thousand dollars of Litecoin, in your in your um, in your ledger, your private ledger. Well, that three thousand dollars of Litecoin in your private ledger. Will probably be worth a hundred thousand dollars in mm-hmm. deflated dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so you you have to think along those lines, and it does. Now, if you have a private ledger, that means that theoretically you may be able to transact outside of a centralized system.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: when, if you look at the latest version of the Economist, you know there are there are four. Um, cryptocurrencies that are highlighted on the cover of The Economist. They're Litecoin, they're Cardano, Ethereum, and Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So are these being chosen yeah. by by the
0: banking institutions?
2: Probably. It all makes sense. Cardano is a private coin. Litecoin is fast. A lot of yuppies, boomers use Litecoin. Amazon's about to adopt Litecoin. Of course, Ethereum is sort of the, the, the smart money, mm-hmm. you know, bridge capital application of transfer. And then you have Bitcoin, yeah, which is... the Coca-Cola, thing. yeah. Right, so yeah, that makes sense, right? Are all the other tokens going to go away? No, mm-hmm. they won't go away. I don't think they'll go away. Will you be able to trade them in a centralized system? No, probably not. Mm-hmm. Because a centralized system will be defined... By the banks that adopt them, and by yeah. the way, all those banks—they want to go away. They, they don't want do. Yeah, you know, they do. They don't want to have branches. They so, don't have to. They so, don't have to pay for employees. They're done with that shit. So you
0: really see this as being a an anointing moment of coins like those ones we we mentioned, and then there's going to be like a you you just can't off ramp, with any of these other ones. You're just you're just stuck with. Them as digital assets and can never convert them back to, uh, uh, you know, the, dot, the fiat or anything like that. That's what you see as a potential. Well, so
2: so they will go. They will go to a gold-backed currency. That is you, you, when
1: you say they. Are you talking about you know what Catherine Austin Fitz the, yeah, the, calls the, the Mr. Central, Global or the central banks or? Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. it's the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, mm-hmm. the, the the goldsmiths. Right, these mm-hmm. are the people that have been controlling currency for a long time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: They will go to a gold-backed currency. Um, the gold-backed currency will be connected to uh, cryptocurrency.
3: Okay. Right,
2: you'll have a crypto gold-backed crypto. What ha- What's going to happen with gold then?
1: Yeah.
2: Well, gold will have a spot price, and guess what? You're going to have to sell your gold. Okay. You, you will have to sell your gold, and if you have a bunch of gold. Well, it'll be converted into the new currency.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And you'll be better off because your dollar, let's say you had um, $100,000 in fiat currency, like your $100,000 in fiat currency will probably be worth about $100.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But in then, the United States, right? In the United States.
0: But then you'll, you'll, you'll be will in will that be, centralized be, uh that well, centralized crypto. Go, well,
2: if you if you have gold, yes, right, because you will not in that system you will not an individual will not be allowed to add, hold gold.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's why you you think. Where do you think this is all going, then? And why is this consult, Why is this so important for these people? You know, or whoever they are.
2: Well, to it's, centralize it's it. It's important for them. Well, because it's all going to be connected to carbon credits, carbon trading, which will become the new fiat currency, which will be connected to um, the Internet of Things, Internet of Bodies, which is what Allison talks about,
3: mm-hmm. which
2: will be connected to smart cities, smart grids, 5G, surveillance, um, and uh, Masaki just texted me about Bao. It's got two million, ten million bow anyway.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I so saw I
1: saw your your talk with him.
2: So so, this is where all of it's going, and, and if you don't have anything, you're going to have to be a part of that system. Mm-hmm. Then it will be a social credit system that should will be connected to carbon credits.
0: So you um, so you definitely see that aspect is is that if you if you if you don't get assets out then you're playing in that system once it's deployed.
2: Absolutely. And there and so in order for you to have a sustainable um, hold on. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that's the
2: uh, hold on. In order, in order to have a sustainable life, you're going to you're going to have to be in the social credit score system. Yeah. And you will have to play a game. It'll be it'll be a game, it'll look like a game. Oh, Jesus, hold
0: on. <laughs> well, we're so, so, about at our, our time. I There was one well, let me, I did. Well, let,
2: me just, let me just finish this. Okay, Because so sure. it's really, really important.
0: Here's your cat texting you. <laughs>
2: um, so, if you can't be outside the system, you'll be in the system, and then everything is tracked. Everything. And you'll, you'll have to um you'll have to abide by it
0: yeah and that's what what uh we've trying to been uh, diving into you know is is explaining you know the people are, are getting this this idea you know they 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 connect blockchain and cryptocurrency together but you know blockchain is just the underlying technology that facilitates currency but you know there's so much else from supply chain to just about anything you can think of that blockchain uh, actually can be used to manage it's really just a new uh, i should say a newer database technology that um, uh, allows for greater scalability and programmability Mm -hmm. and so uh, you know, I, I work in that space. And uh, uh, even me, it's it's hard to kind of wrap my arms around how broad uh, blockchain technology can be utilized. And I think that's what some of the stuff like Allison has talked about, you know, where you're literally manipulating behavior, based on how the program in the smart contract works. And that's the the new frontier is that they don't need to have large task force task forces of humans to you know review and and look at uh uh behavior and all of that type of stuff you know they don't need a a um uh what was that movie with tom cruise the uh, the police force that was looking at pre-crime or whatever minority uh, report. yeah no, minority I, report. I, I,
2: no it's, all, all that stuff is going away i mean you, you, yeah it's 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 going it's going away they don't need as many bodies they don't need as many eyeballs um lawyers i was watching um, the the talk that jordan peterson uh, gave and he was talking about how lower level lawyers are starting to lose their gigs Mm -hmm. why because you have the internet people can learn about law smart contracts will eliminate the need for a lot of lawyers Mm -hmm. It's just the way it is right i mean it's going to happen not all of them but a lot of them Mm -hmm. and and our behavior is being modified all the time anyway. Yeah. Like, we're, we, we've been living in a Skinner box, you know, <laughs> yeah. since, since the Great Depression.
1: For a long time.
2: With behavior modification.
1: So let me yeah. ask you this final, um, you know, question, because I know we're running out of time. But just give you an example. I was talking to a dear friend of mine yesterday. She's in Australia. She's in a, more of the Brisbane Area, you know, kind of vacation holiday, and she was talking about, you know, how they moved there about a year ago, they were here in the Midwest for a while. And she's she said, she asked if I got the shot, and I said, no, I didn't. And she's like, well, I, I got the shot because if you don't get the shot here, you basically you don't do anything, you can't work, you can't do anything, and, but she seems really happy, and her family seems to be thriving, her boys, you know, she has two boys, and they're really thriving and just living life, and then it makes me, like, go back to this conundrum, okay, so... (laughs) What do we do in this situation? Because it seems like we're going in the traje- trajectory that we can't, like, opt out, you know? So so what do we do? How- <laughs> Is there an opt-in out? Or do we just live happily and... And just do what we're told told and...
0: Live on our two acres with our mule.
1: What is your your take there? And you have a child as well, right? So you're probably thinking of those things.
2: I I do. I do. Um, And uh, I'm going to be seeing him this week. And I'm concerned about his future, Mm -hmm. obviously. Um, But I feel like, you know, we're in this great adventure in a lot of ways this is this is a great adventure Mm -hmm. and we're we're in a we're really in a movie Mm -hmm. and we're in we're in this dystopian thriller right now Mm
0: -hmm. it's it's hard to even watch it a netflix show (laughs) honestly because it's so crazy in the real world
2: (laughs) right why why need that we're in a dystopian thriller right now
3: Mm
2: -hmm. and I do believe that there are a number of things that can happen that are, that are outside of the script. And to me, those things are interesting and they're, they're wild cards that have yet to be played. And one of the things is we were kind of, as I go back through our conversation, I was thinking about, um, you know, this idea of being a pioneer Mm -hmm. and we're going to, Go into this period astrologically when Saturn goes into Aries and Neptune goes into Aries. And anytime a Saturn and Neptune conjunction has happened, um, we can see historically that a form of socialism has taken root. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, for instance, when you look at the uh, Bolshevik Revolution, Saturn and Neptune were in conjunction mm-hmm. in Leo during that time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So we're headed into that area.
1: When is that happening? Is that in
2: 2005. Um, Oh, it
1: happened in 2005, is that what you said?
2: Yeah, it'll happen in – it'll actually end in 2005, beginning in 2006. Okay. But but at the same time, when we look at that Aries energy, Aries is all about being a pioneer. And it's all about doing things on your own. And there's – I think that's really going to be the time when people get separated out. And you're either going to be a part of the system – with the Saturn-Neptune conjunction in Aries, which to me really screams deeply totalitarian. Like when you think of Aries, you think about control, and you mm-hmm. think about, you know, the the, the force of will, right? With, through mm-hmm. Aries and Saturn, mm-hmm. Saturn's in its detriment in Aries. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, but at the same time, Neptune softens it and makes it. Um, how do I say this palatable? Yeah, I
0: was going to say palatable,
2: (laughs) palatable, right? It's kind of like you, the, the, there's the, the, there's the brave new world model, which is, you know, based on Soma and, and people being slaves to their own, um, leisure and slaves to their own convenience. Mm -hmm. And then there's the boot on the face, um, Orwellian model. And to me, the the you know Saturn and Neptune is the consummation of both, so you have both of them coming together where where people are are really opting in for their own um, le- um, leisure pleasure and slavery together,
3: mm-hmm. right? It's yeah, the most yeah.
2: seductive version of it.
3: Yeah, that and is so true. And yet,
2: people who are smart enough and will hold out will have to do something else, and they will have the impetus to um, branch off and create something new, but it, it will definitely be outside the system. You're not going to be able to buy or sell inside the system.
3: Mm-hmm. You just
2: won't unless you are willing to be tracked from, you know, the moment you get up to the moment you sleep. And yeah. I don't think there's going to be a lot of negotiation in that realm. Mm-hmm.
1: But you think it is possible, even with all the surveillance, you know, you have cameras everywhere, you have your phone, you have drones, your TV. Well,
2: I think think of humans as being incredibly subversive. You know, we are a subversive species. And we can be creatively subversive. Mm -hmm. Like, just look at this whole idea of memes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Memes are creatively subversive. You know, let's go Brandon is creatively <laughs> subversive. <laughs> yeah. Think about that, right? Yeah. And that's and and, and and it's really, in a lot of ways, minor. But what happens when humans really get motivated to be creatively subversive? They, they innovate. Mm-hmm. They do things that are different.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And this is where we This is where ultimately we will go, mm-hmm. and it's through that creative subversion that the new evolution of being human will emerge
1: okay
2: yeah and, and it has to does
1: that sound does it, exciting to you
2: Yes, it does it does sound exciting because that's where our creative and our spiritual potential is okay but it's not exclusive of technology by the way
3: mm-hmm.
0: Well, and I and I think that um, what we've learned in this, you know, just kind of uh, venturing out and and uh, you, you know, like you like you pointed out in your your post from ten years ago, you know, find your tribe. Mm-hmm. You know, that's been a constant uh, uh, quest. But you know, when we do find tribe members, I mean, they're they're fantastic tribe members. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and uh, yeah, that's something that you know, if we were sitting on our butts you know watching netflix every night and and not doing this yeah then we wouldn't have those relationships you know we'd have a lot of shallow relationships where we're just you know drinking wine and laughing about um you know trump or or whatever Mm -hmm. you know what i mean just 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 very shallow and and we're we're talking about real things with people and to me uh that's what I want, you know. That's what I'm going for. So even all, even though there's all this static and this noise, when it's good, it's really good.
1: But you can't do it without technology.
2: So, I think you're absolutely right. And you know, I've never met um, you and Fab in person. You know, we've skyped and you know, we, we've we've done some stuff. But I would say that you're part of my tribe, and I'm part of your tribe. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the the challenge here is that we. You know, you know, and maybe Allison McDowell um, you know, would agree with this. Is that you know we have a virtual tribe,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: in you know whether it's intentional or not, I mean, this is the world that we've been moved into because I don't live in Idaho and you don't live in Texas, yeah. mm-hmm. so we, we can't we can't um, you know collaborate on things. But but that said, I I think there's still a lot more room to grow, and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll end with this because I think maybe this might be helpful for people that listen to this. this um, I think it was around uh, two thousand and eleven, and I was I was at this uh, hot spring in Northern California, and I've been soaking in these hot springs all day.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So um, I came out of the hot spring, and I was walking up this. Kind of a little dirt dirt path, road, dirt trail to my car, and the hot spring itself is in a fairly remote location. You can't you can't get on the internet. They have no Wi-Fi at this hot spring. We barely have I think a cell phone signal. Barely.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I remember walking to my car. It was hot. It was very quiet, and I and, I, and it wasn't like I had this overwhelming vision of like being overcome by something, um, but I did have this very strong and palpable sense of the future. And it had to do with nature.
3: Mm.
2: And, and I had this very strong feeling of living in a world where there was a lot less people. Wow. And it's like, Oh gee, look at that. Okay. Well, that's kind of starting to make some sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I also had a sense that there was a lot less technology in the world. Oh, wow. Like, like, and we were living in this primordial um, environment. And, and the and the phrase that came into my head was that God had reinserted itself into nature, and, and that's not really true because God has never left nature. Mm-hmm. Right. But that said, it was something different. It was like this spirit was now communicating to us with us through our relationship with these plants. And, um, it was beyond the plants. It was, it was animate, right? Mm -hmm. And it was, it, it it was exciting and it was terrifying Mm -hmm. simultaneously because, Mm -hmm. because of the amount of intelligence and the amount of aliveness and, and the, the uh, potential, the permutation, the possibility was really profound, right? Like that was the real metaverse.
0: Well, you know, it's funny and, that you say that because, you know, that, that friend we mentioned earlier who was asking, you know, how do you find your truth or how do you find what is real? And, and, and you know, in, in other conversations, you know, she'd always come back to, you know, this, all this out here, you know, is not real, but the only truth is nature and And she always goes back to nature and and she's able to kind of recenter herself and and what you're saying really resonates there with with that same sentiment
2: and what would happen if we lived in a world where nature reveals to us a whole a whole new layer of technology
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: and a technology that is um you know analog analogic or, or biological
3: mm-hmm.
2: and, and we're working with like, say um, mushroom cultures um, mm-hmm. in a very different kind of way. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we're, we're able to like tap into mushrooms much in the same way that we tap. Not, not even talking about like ingesting them, but like tapping into them in the same way that we would tap into a diode or a crystal.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And that we're, we're actually communicating directly through that technology itself, not even through the spores,
3: mm-hmm. but
2: through the actual physical structure of what a mushroom is. And or you know, and what can we learn from mold? Or like, what kind of technology would something like mold have to teach us? Mm-hmm. And and you know, the it, it, the universe just explodes in that realm, mm-hmm. and. And and so what the metaverse is trying to do, it's trying to create this digital mimic of that world. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And it's using the negative space uh, in order to do that. Mm -hmm. It's using this negative space in order to create its own universe.
0: So we're either going to opt in or we're going to we're going to look for what is what is truly real.
2: I think, I think there's, there is a moment in time where those kinds of options will be on the table. But I think ultimately, because what they want to do is they want to wipe out the physical universe.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And they're not going to be able to do that. Yeah.
0: Like the, that, is,
2: the, that, is, that is the plan. They, they, want to, they want to take away the entire physical universe and they want to create another universe based on antimatter and and the metaverse would be powered by antimatter or something like the metaverse would be powered by antimatter. But they can't do it. It's not going to be able to happen.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That sounds like another episode right there. <laughs> 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 the antimatter episode. I like it. <laughs> Well, hey, we really appreciate you coming on the program here. You know, we're trying to get this thing uh, going. We're, we're, we have fun doing it. Yeah, and, uh, we We really looked at uh, a lot of your content as inspiration, you know, to kind of put our voice out there. And uh, uh, so we want to thank you for that inspiration. And uh, where, where can people find you? Uh, where do you like to direct them?
2: So they can find me at my website, robertphoenix.com. If, if you want to book a reading, that's the best place to do it.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: um, I used to write a lot more in this new version of my website. Unfortunately, it does not allow me to write as much as I'd like to. Mm-hmm. So, I've been I've been toying around with creating another website. Uh, fifteen minutes of flame. That's fifteen minutes of ovflame.com is where I do my live streams. Um, you can go there. You can find me on Twitter, uh, Phoenix Astro Nine. I do have a Facebook page. I don't go there very often,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but, uh, I've been trying to get back there more and, um, that's where it's at. All
0: that's right. Where you can find me. We will link to a lot of that stuff in the show notes, but again, we appreciate it. And, uh, we will, uh, catch you in the, uh, in, in on, on your program here weekly yeah,
2: and send me send me a link to this and i'll 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 make sure it gets out there great oh
1: yeah that'll be amazing yeah thank you so much you're so precious to us thank you for all oh, you, you guys, do you guys are
2: great you guys you guys <laughs> are badasses i mean you <laughs> thank you. you 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 i've seen you you know of course i'm not there for every chapter of your life but you know, I've, 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 I've connected with you, Leo, what at least 10 years ago. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it
0: was over yeah, a little over yeah. 10 years ago. And I mean, it was seen- Prometheus. Prometheus <laughs> is the landmark event. Just think yeah. whenever that came out.
2: <laughs> so I have seen you guys go through a lot of changes with your jobs, with your physical location. Um, and you've just grown a, a tremendous amount. So I know I'm not there every day in the trenches with you, but I, I can see where you've taken your lives and um it's great Um, i mean you took a big risk you moved to idaho
3: Mm -hmm. and
2: without really knowing anybody and you moved there probably during one of the hardest times to go move there when everybody else wanted to move there
0: Yeah, yeah we 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 look at all this as as uh what's to a certain extent got us off our butt you know You know, you know, you know we were we were in that lackadaisical um you know just just uh Underbelly, just just sitting there on the on the couch, and and when that happened, it was like, all right, it's now or never. It's
1: Time to go. <laughs> <laughs> and you you helped us a lot through that, so we appreciate that support.
0: Yeah. Well,
2: let's let's hope we can do more of these. Yes. Definitely, I'm here whenever you need me. Okay.
0: Amazing.
1: Right. Thank you so much. Thanks,
0: Robert. You're welcome. Bye. All right. Well, that is another episode in the books. I think that was one of our better ones. Man, we really. We really went deep on a lot of topics we there, did. <laughs> and uh, we appreciate you guys uh, giving us an hour and a half of your time to listen. Uh, we'll have uh, a lot of links to the things that we discussed in the show notes, so please visit there.
1: Don't forget to follow us on Telegram. Telegram,
0: yeah, the Collective Resistance podcast. And uh, by the way, Robert is a is one of the members in there, so yes. it's hard to get him conversing all the time, but uh, he, he's in there here and there. Um, so here. Fabby, what do you want to tell everybody?
1: Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Stay healthy, stay safe, stay curious.